I, uh, I'm on the preaching team here, and it gets to be an honor and privilege to get up here a few times a year and say, this is what God says. Um, and I know some of you have a turkey hangover right now. <laughs> turkey cereal is really good. Um, but you know, I, I, I think you've noticed that music has always been sort of a simple enjoyment of my life. Um, I find these funny lyrics and these funny secular songs that has a tendency to just, in a few words, describe people to a T. And you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, I get that, I get that. Um, today we're going to be looking at a parable called the Pharisee and the Tax Collector. And already you can sort of see it's going to be a comparison of the two gentlemen. And you can sense that one is bad, the tax collector, and one is good, the Pharisee, or maybe he's less bad. But there's this comparison of the two, and it's very interesting. But uh, before I get there, I want to give you, of course, a couple of lyrics to think about which define these guys. And I'm pretty sure, because you're very intelligent people, you figure out who they pertain to right away. And if not, hopefully by the end of what I'm talking about, you'll figure it out. And if not, well, we'll have the elders come to your house and pray for you. But <laughs> no. Um, the first one came out in 1972 um, by a lady named Carly Simon. Um, this one's going to stick in your head the rest of the sermon. You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Now, this guy, this song is about a guy. You know, there's some discussion about who it is. But uh, he's so vain, he thinks songs are written about him. But this also hints at a little bit of... Uh, what you could call narcissism. This guy's a narcissist. You know, so what's the definition of a narcissist? It is a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. Now, I'm sure you've all been around somebody like that. Maybe you were with them on Thanksgiving. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the second of these is a rather interesting song. Uh, this thing was by Ev a group called Evanescence in 2003. And you see by this lyric, it says, Save me from the nothing I have become. Now, this lyric, this song got played on secular and Christian radio. It's a secular group playing on Christian radio because of this right here. And if you listen to the whole song, you know, it's interpreted two different ways. One is, it's a woman that's coming out of a bad relationship and she's trying to wake up from what she became. Or it's somebody trying to make a connection with God. So you see why it was crossover. Secular bands usually don't play on Christian radio. Christian bands will play on secular radio called crossover groups. Okay? So we have two people defined by these lyrics. One too much self-admiration. One with no self-admiration. But let's look at today's passage. We're going to be looking at Luke 18, 9 through 14. Jesus is speaking to a crowd similar to what we have here. This, the crowd is full of skeptics, believers, the curious, the what's going on here. You know, they had heard that Jesus, I think by this time, can feed people, a lot of people with a small amount. Maybe they were there for food. Who knows? But they were there. And... Um, 
they're just this normal, average, everyday crowd of people, all different temperaments, all different ideas, all different views of who Jesus was or wasn't. Um, but let's take a look at verse 9. We'll start there. We're going we're gonna to do this one verse at a time. It's easier for me. And um, it just is. But look at this. Jesus, he isolates a group right off the bat. He says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Notice he didn't pick out the people that were tired or cranky or whatever. It's the ones who are confident. Look down on everyone else. Mm. Uh, so you have the self-righteous in the crowd. And you could call them, other terms for them are smug, haughty, conceited, arrogant, self-important, and of course, narcissists. We're there. You know, considering that those people, types of people were there, are some of those folks in the crowd today here? Are you sitting next to one? Ooh. Some people are looking to their left and right. I, I don't know why they're doing that. But it's possible. It's possible. Let's look at verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. That's good. They both need to be there. They do. but they're both on opposite ends of the social structure. Now, the tax collector worked for Rome. He had to pay a fee to get his franchise to do his tax collecting. And the agreement with, with Rome was, what it was, is you give us X amount of taxes for these people, and anything above that you can keep. So you can see right away it's a place that if somebody's greedy, that's the job they want. That's the franchise they want. Well, you think about that and you think, well, that's terrible. But then you also have to take a step back and think, okay, how did a guy get there? How did he end up being a tax collector? What went on in his life that caused him to do this? Was it something out of his control? Was it a possible solution to a different problem he was trying to solve? All these things are going on. And the only reason I'm saying this is that we have to be careful when we see people do stupid things. That We have to take a step back and go, and not judge them and go, we really have to go, how did they get there? What was the motivation? What constraints caused them to do this? What was going on in their mind? You know, if it comes down to flat-out greed, okay, we got a problem. And looks like we're having technical difficulties. Okay, ignore this man. Okay. Oh, thank you. So, but the tax collector was the guy that was despised by everybody. Everybody. But I think for the everybody, he also reminded themselves of themselves at some level. I think that's what was going on. He was sort of the, the bad guy on steroids in their world. Even though they were bad, he was the bad guy on steroids. But they could see themselves a little bit in him. But then you go to the Pharisee, the religious elite, the well-educated, 
the ones who know the Torah and the books of Moses backwards and forwards, the ones who live the exemplary life, the ones who could point out where you're not living an exemplary life. He would show up at the busy market days, which was usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, and he would go stand up somewhere where he could pray out loud and people could watch him. Or he would show up in sackcloth and ashes to show people he's fasting so people could see this display. You know, he would wake up in the morning at his house and say a prayer like, thank you, God, for not making me a woman. Thank you for not making me a slave. Thank you for not making me a Gentile. Sadly, people looked up to this guy as the religious icon of how a person is supposed to live. He was it. And some of the reading I I, I ran into, I did, basically said that the the Jewish people said, if if they asked the question, describe God, they would point to a Pharisee. That's what they knew. That's what their culture brought them up in. That's what they believed. So you have this guy on the bottom of the structure. You have this guy on the top of the social structure. Let's look at verse 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Okay, it said he stood by himself, but in the temple there were steps. He was probably up on the step where he could be, everybody could see him. He was by himself, and he prayed. You notice he's not talking with God. He's talking to God about himself. He's not talking to God. He's not making a connection, which prayer is supposed to do for us. And he's really saying, hey, God, look at me, your poster boy. Now, I want to modernize this prayer so it'll make a little more sense for us today. Really, it would go something like this. Hey, God. Poster boy here, you Pharisee. I thank you that I'm not like homeless people or people that are addicted or LGBTQ plus or like that guy over there that has a totally different belief or view on government mandates regarding masks and vaccinations. Oh, yeah. You know, God, I'm your guy. You know, I double up at church on the sacraments that are prescribed. And I tithe on my gross income, not the net, because I get that much more blessing out of it. I'm here, God. Okay, this guy has it all together. He knows he's right, he's got confidence. He's God's gift to the earth. He's the cat's meow. He has no doubts about his religious life. He has it in the bag. Sadly, everyone else thought so also. He was the guy to follow. Hmm. Let's look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he did beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Ooh, 
He was at the back of the crowd, not part of the general assembly, out of the way, hidden almost. It's like the people that come to visit here and they sit in the back and they escape (laughs) with the last song because they don't want to be found. They don't want to be noticed. I've often thought we should lock the doors. (laughs) But he was striving for a connection with God. He beat his breast, which was culturally unusual. It wasn't part of the pattern. And I know some of you folks come from a Catholic background. And I think you remember... Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, which really, it's sort of pattern after this, but it is, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's dreadfully my fault. And I remember doing that as a kid, didn't understand it, because you just did what you were supposed to do, right? But let me modernize this prayer. It is, save me from the nothing I've become. That's it. Save me. And the, the, the term in there is propitiation, which to explain that better is just grant your goodwill to me. He's at the end of his rope. He has nothing to offer anybody. He can't be a Pharisee. It's impossible. But wait. What's the problem? Where's his self-esteem? He's not that bad. Sure, he may take a little more than he should, but that's not that bad. Where's his positive self-talk? He's not that bad. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe he needs a vacation. No one in their right mind would think that way, would they? He's not that bad. But you have to ask, what did he realize to get him to this mental state? I'll show you here. There we go. There we go. This is Romans 3, 10 through 12. But this is also quoting from, I think it's Psalm 77 and Psalm 53. But just listen to this. It says, as it is written, there is No one righteous, not even one. There was no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, for those of you who go around saying people are inherently good, I ask you to look at this verse. This is where the guy was. He realized he had nothing. He realized he was worthless, which goes against, I'm sorry, our Western culture positive thought. You know, think it, you can do it. Name it, you can claim it. All that kind of stuff. It flies in the face of, you know, got to be somebody. Got to have a good thought about yourself. So, you know, he found himself 
a loser, a sinner, a failure, a fool. And some of you are in that position today. You are right there. And if you are, hang on. I got some good news coming. But now, the crowd is listening, and they're going, okay, he's talked about the Pharisee. He's talked about the tax collector. What's going to happen now? Well, Jesus is going to flip their thought process with a few words. He's just going to go cut across their whole cultural, political, Christian, no, not Christian, Jewish dogma in one fell swoop. He's going to just turn everything upside down. They're going to go, what? Now let's go back to our story. I tell you that this man, not the Pharisee, this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This man, the tax collector, the bottom of the social structure, the one who is worthless in his own mind, is justified before God. Now, in their mind, the Pharisee was the guy. And guess what they thought, the crowd thought, when they heard this? Guess what it was? It was... What? No way! No! No! This is not logical. It's upside down. It's backwards. Makes no sense at all. It's not rational. You have to be good to be right with God. Jesus went, no. Nah. And they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you have this backwards. This can't be. I can't wrap my mind around this. It's not how I was taught. It's not how I was raised. It's not what I believe. It's not what my parents thought. It's not what my friends think. It's not what I don't want to think about. All of this stuff going on, they're going, no way. It can't be. But this what no way is still here. Jesus is still calling and they hear these simple gospel messages and they go, what? No way. Can't be. But I'm going to do something here. It's going to require all of your participation. Now, this crowd was astonished by what Jesus said. And if you ever actually sit down and think about You could call it the steps to salvation, what scripture says about salvation. For most people, their immediate thought is, what? No way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you have a chance to feel how they do when they hear these things. So what I'm going to want you to do is I'm going to read off seven questions. And at the end of each one, I'm going to want you folks to yell out in the most astonished voice that you have this very simple thing here. What? No way. But because we need to practice, okay, 
Let's make sure we got this. Okay, on three, I want you to all yell out at me, what, no way. You ready? One, two, three. What, no way. Very good. Okay, now, let's go to the first question. Did you know that a person cannot be good enough to earn a relationship with God? Okay, second question. Did you know that terribly bad people can have a relationship with God? What? No way. Okay, third question. Did you know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? What? No, no way. way. Very good. Did you know that the wages of sin is death? What? No way. Okay. Did you know that no man shall come unto God without going through Jesus? What? What? No, no way. way. Okay. Did you know that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved? Well, I love you people. Okay, and the last one. Did you know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Okay, now, with those seven things, the response from God is yes way. It's yes way. This is no joke. It's serious business. See, people struggle with these things. But they refuse to believe due to their culture, their upbringing, their church dogma, their personal preference, their pet theology. Name whatever it is. But we can't change their minds. We can only share the gospel. What little we know, we're supposed to share. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Hmm. But do it with gentleness and respect. But there could be people in here today that have witnessed this saying, that, are, that still live on this, what no way. I ask you to reconsider. I plead with you to reconsider your position. Come to Christ. He is calling you today. You're not looking for him. He is looking for you, and he will find you. And he will present to you a very basic, obvious truth about who he is and what he's done for you. And at that point, the only reason you won't accept him is because of your personal refusal to believe. That's it. When you cut through all the intellect, all the education, everything, it's a refusal to believe. That's it. Put away the what no way thinking. But I can't just leave it here like that. To be accepted by God to have a personal relationship with Christ requires one small thing that has a huge impact. It's a prayer. And it could be like our tax collector. Save me from the nothing I've become. Or I have a little formal prayer here. And what I'd like to do is I'm going to read this Everybody just bow your heads. I'm going to read this, and if you're here, if you're listening online, um, just pray this. 
And it's, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. With all of this, if you prayed this prayer, let us know. You have a great journey in front of you. We want to help you. Well, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's very direct. We thank you that you chase us. You look for us because we're not looking for you. So I pray that you help those who have heard this and understand that what no way doesn't cut it anymore. Thank you, Lord. Amen.